0: This is the Ebb & Flow podcast with Ide Bailey, where you'll find inspired insights on forward movements in the middle market. Now let's get to the show. Hello
1: and welcome to Ebb & Flow. I'm your host, Clinton Larson, and joining me today again as my co-host is Jenny Huteri, partner in charge of business outsourcing and strategy. Hello, Jenny.
2: Hello, Clinton. Thanks for having me back.
1: I am glad you're back. And I'm excited for today's show because we have as our guest, Nathan McMurtry, who is a principal at Bailey and leads our data analytics group. Welcome to the podcast, Nathan. Thank you very
3: much. It's super exciting to be with you today.
1: And you know, Jenny, we've been talking lately on the podcast about how last year really forced businesses to have to adapt and change the way they do business. And now looking forward, they are realizing that they maybe can't ever go back to doing business the way that they used to do it.
2: Yeah, certainly Clinton. You know, in addition to some of the things we discussed like more reliance on technology, whether it's allowing our teams to work in a virtual environment or it's using processes and systems and ingesting information in that manner and in addition to all the changing business models as a result to the pandemic, whether it was supplying your product or service in a different way or slightly modifying what it is that you're offered. I think the need to understand how those things are performing in measuring results becomes critically important to to the success of the business in what is a continually changing environment. And I think that leads us right into our topic today when we talk about data analytics and what is it that we're measuring and what are we looking Mm -hmm. for? So, Nathan, we're super pumped to hear from you about data (laughs) analytics. So maybe you give us a little background on what that means.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll let go what you started with, which is um, companies are definitely looking at the way they operate. And um, data analytics is a huge part of this. In our world, everything is just happening faster. That's what's happened over the last year. uh, Satya Nadella, um, CEO of Microsoft, in their quarterly call, said that, they had two years of digital transformation happening in two months and that is what's happening for us is it's it's not it's not necessarily new it's that everything is just happening faster people need to adapt faster they need to move faster and they need to pivot faster and at the heart of a lot of that is data analytics
2: and you've been in this space long before the pandemic before any of this was ever dreamt would happen and accelerate this change. So what prompted that interest in data analytics for you?
3: You know, it's uh, it's fun because I graduated in accounting. I'm an accountant by degree. And I was in my first, I was kind of in my first job and uh, just kind of in the, if, you, if you've been in that, you're creating the financials every month. And it was a little bit of, you know, what does this new job look like? And they hired somebody to come in and do Business intelligence, and it was this awesome title. I was like, "What is business intelligence?" <laughs> and I sat down with this uh, individual, and after a ten-minute conversation, he he explained how he was going to come in and use the company's data from all of its different sources, bring that together, and kind of um, create this holistic view of the company and the customer of the company, and how he was going to analyze that customer and and we were going to segment the profitable ones from the unprofitable ones and. I fell in love. It was, it was a 10-minute conversation. And I was like, I thought that's what accounting was. I, I, <laughs> I, I went from that conversation, begged my boss to go be part of this new initiative, and uh, I'm really just feel grateful for um, kind of being at the start of a movement, this, this data culture that we've seen um, just kind of periphery through all, all sorts of industries. Anyways, that, that's a little bit of my story, and uh, happy to be here.
2: Fantastic. Well, Nathan, to your point, yeah, data and accounting all coming together collectively to serve clients and that those small and mid-sized business clients. So you alluded it to it with your interest in data, but tying in more with the mid-sized businesses, how are they using data in their business, and how do they get started?
3: Yeah, let me let me start with like the far end, the really successful data data successful companies right now, and so. This really interesting trends happened where you have these companies like Uber. Uber is the world's largest taxi company that has no vehicles. Facebook is the world's largest media owner and creates no content. Alibaba is the most valuable retailer, but they don't have any inventory. It just goes on. Airbnb is the world's largest kind of accommodator and they don't have any real estate. And the one common thread between these massively successful companies today is they're monetizing their data. They are data companies, and we are seeing this trend of every company. We kind of have the slogan that one day every company will become a data company, and um, we're seeing that trend in every industry. I mean, we have, um, you know, I, coming down to kind of the i Bailey clients and the small and medium-sized businesses, the ones that are looking at their data and finding ways to use that data to compete better, to operate better, to be more lean, to be more strategic, those are the ones that are winning. And it's uh, its an awesome, you know, we, we go into a lot of companies and uh, the first conversation we have, data is this giant liability in the words of an accountant, right? We come in and, and they have spreadsheet anarchy, they've got data in too many systems, they've got financials or, or analysis that they're doing that's taking 30, 45, 60 days to get, and then by the time they get the answer, it's already passed, and there's this whole like liability of data. And as we work with them and watch that liability swing into an asset, it is the most awesome transformation. You see all of a sudden... They can't live without this ecosystem of data that they've created. The decisions they're making are better. They're reacting and, and, and faster and kind of tying back to where we started this conversation with COVID. They're more nimble and they're able to respond faster. And it all comes back to understanding their business better and really understanding their customer better. And that that kind of leads into data. So
1: Nathan, um, in terms of that change in businesses, how do you think that's affected you know, culture and strategy at these firms? How are they... How are they looking ahead and how are they using this, like you said, to be
3: more nimble? You know, I think that the really interesting thing is, is that everybody's on their own journey. This isn't like an on and off switch. We're a data company. We're not a data company. Um, We like to think of it as a maturity model. And so um, there are companies who are way over on one side. that are kind of data unaware, if you would, they're, they're very, they're very spreadsheet driven, they're very manual process driven. And then you've got some of these like leading data leading companies, and you, you kind of have everybody in between. And the important thing is, is just trying to figure out how to move up the maturity level. And there's some really important things that tend to happen there that I think I'll point out the most significant one that, that affects culture and strategy, which is data is not seen as an IT initiative. Meaning, um, it's really easy to look at the tools that come with this data analytics and say they're technical tools, so they belong in IT, which they do. I mean, we're talking about servers, we're talking about you know the clouds and AWS and Azure, and there's some technical things that are coming on there. But the most significant part of kind of this data maturity that we see in organizations is when the leadership of an organization steps up and takes ownership of the data and identifying the key metrics and and building out this data ecosystem. And as soon as it's not stovepiped, even even in finance and accounting or IT, as soon as it's seen as a leadership initiative, um, just magic happens with organizations.
2: Now, Nathan, along that point, you alluded to who should be involved in, in the importance, certainly. I, I got to think just getting started is overwhelming for some small businesses. How do, What are the key pieces to initiating that data strategy?
3: Yeah, it can be, uh, you know, when you... If you went down, I promise, if you went down and like looked at some of these companies I talked about at first with Ubers and the Facebooks, if you looked at the stack they were using, you would just die. Like, There's no way <laughs> I'm getting into that. But what is really cool is the tools that have happened over the last 10 years, I'll say, have really, really come down to the mid-market and the small business. There are fantastic tools. And, and and the tools are not just great, but the affordability of the tools, which is so important for a small business, and a medium-sized business going through kind of growth phases, is you've got to make sure, I'll kind of go back to that maturity model, you've got to make sure the value always stays ahead of cost. And that's, that's probably one of the, you know, to the listeners out there, that's probably one of the biggest things that I would say is you've got to prioritize this um, initiative because it's really easy to try to boil the ocean when we're talking about data. Let's get all the data from all of our systems and let's, let's create this holistic view of our company. And 12 months later, we've got some of the data and we spent all this time on the back end stuff. You've really got to prioritize what are the key metrics that matter to you. And so to answer your question, Jenny, identify a few very key metrics. If you're right at that level one, hey, we just want to get started. Identify a few of those key metrics find tools that are valuable and affordable and just great, like fast to value kind of tools. We're going to leave hard, impossible things that are valuable for later. We're going to start with what we call a business prioritization matrix, which is just a fancy word of saying, we're going to start with the things that are valuable and easy to do. And it's important to get both of those things. And that's where you start. What's the most valuable, easiest thing that we can do today?
0: If you've enjoyed listening to the Ebb and Flow podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. Also, please take a moment to share it with your professional network and leave us a review. That way, we'll be able to reach a larger audience providing business leaders with inspired insight on forward movement in the middle market.
1: Nathan, are there some common metrics you've seen popping up in the last year for for businesses and industries about what they're looking for? Has there been some common pain
3: points In some of those areas? Yeah, finding what metrics, uh, there's a story, I love this, I'm going to tell a little about story here. So uh, I I lived in Ukraine for a couple of years, and they have this story um, back to the USSR, where they had some of their factories that they picked a metric and the metric they picked, uh, it was a nail factory. And the metric they were judged on was how many nails they could produce. And they came in and they found out that these factories were making millions and millions of nails that were just the lowest quality nail you could ever. You could, you could kind of like pencil break it in half, you know, so thin of a nail. And they said, "Oh my gosh, what have we done? We picked the wrong metric." And so, and so then they said, "Well, let's let's not measure this off of uh, the number of nails. Let's instead we'll switch to the weight of the nails, so we get a nice sturdy nail." Uh, fast forward twelve months, and uh, you probably guessed they were creating massive massive heavy heavy nails and they 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 totally uh, they came in there what is going on here and and what and they actually created a, a law if it's Goodwin's law it's kind of a funny story there but um the importance of picking the right metric for your organization um has never been more important so facebook would call this their north star metric you know and i'd say what is the that's a that's a thing to ask yourself. What's the north star metric for our organization? That as long as we're moving towards it, we're ensuring ourselves that we're we're better than we used to be. And you know, Facebook's was daily active users. They knew if they were growing daily active users, the DAUs they they called it, then they knew they were headed towards their north star. And so that's probably kind of tying in the the leadership of an organization sit down and say, what is our North Star metric? What is the one thing that we know if we're tracking it, it, it's leading to the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so um, the next part of kind of identifying the metrics is um, identifying leading indicators. And we typically talk to a lot of accountants is, you know, I Bailey, we're, we're kind of targeted this office of accountancy and, um, a lot of accountants really get the financials right. They're so good at the, the PL and and they they they're they're really good at that. But those are generally lagging indicators, right? I mean, just think of preparing the financial statement. The period's already passed, and it, just by nature of what it is, it's a it's a it's a rear view mirror into the business. Um, what we want to do is we want to look at the things that are leading indicators that are that are that are ahead of the curve. And one of the most interesting things to ask yourself as you look. To identify leading indicators is what are the metrics that our customers care about, and so um, you know if I'm an airline and I'm asking myself what are the metrics that a customer cares about, I'm caring about delayed de- delayed flights. I'm caring about lost luggage. I'm caring about the surveys of the flights, right? And um, understanding that the financials are lagging indicators from those leading indicators and so it's a really good question if, if you've kind of identified your north star metric then ask yourself what are the what are the metrics that our customers would judge us by and um, it really centers um, the organization like every organization should be toward their customer and and that's the most leading part that's important
2: Good thoughts on that. So obviously, with the example of the nail story, and then the airlines and the customer story, those are non-financial items. So you're probably working with information coming from multiple systems for these clients. If I'm a business owner, I've got to figure out how to get you information from multiple systems in order to analyze my data. How does some of that backside organization look like? Or what are my next steps
3: the first thing to highlight on that is that the number of systems is bigger than ever before. I read a report last week that said, if you're in the technology industry, you're probably using more than a hundred different applications and systems in your organization. It's, 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 it's exploded. And that's more than it was before COVID. That's part of one of this digital transformation that's happened is the number of systems people are relying on to run the organizations is bigger than it's ever been and what that means is is it's great because now accounting has systems and marketing has systems and the sales team has systems and it's very custom to their needs but the problem is is it's creating silos those systems aren't talking to each other and so if i'm if i'm looking at my organization and i'm saying i want to understand my customer i want to know what they're buying who they're buying it from and how long they're staying i've got data in a lot of different systems and that's where this 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 organization of data comes in. and so you know there's some there's some technical words here that that I'll bring in, but it, it's it's kind of the industry standard. And so what a normal business would do is you would be pulling data from the accounting marketing, all of these systems, and you'd first land it in what you call a data lake. Now, what a data lake is is just think of a copy of all of the data of the of the business in one central location. We haven't, we haven't changed that data from the system, but now we have one central place so that if somebody um, wants to see what the data straight out of Salesforce looks like or say straight out of NetSuite looks like, we don't have to go back to NetSuite and Salesforce. We don't have to put a load on those, on those, on those uh, systems themselves. And so that data lake is the first, kind of the first step. The next step is to take that data out of the data lake and build a data warehouse and what a data warehouse is, is it, it, it's really where, if you can imagine a cook in a kitchen, taking all sorts of raw ingredients and the Applying recipes and kind of making a dish—that's um, what's happening in a data warehouse. Is we're we're applying business rules, we're making data accurate, we're um, kind of creating this single source of truth. By the time we're done, and there's kind of a lot of heavy lifting that happens there. Um, but when we're done with the data warehouse, we have this single source of truth—one place for the whole organization to go and get accurate, clean, and timely information. And then the last piece of that kind of three-step process: data lake, data warehouse, and then data visualization. Uh, the visualization side is it's all about kind of if you can imagine the dining room of a restaurant, right? We care about how people are interacting with data. We want to make sure they're understanding the data that they're getting, that the definition of what they're looking at. So, if somebody's looking at revenue and they're looking at sales, they know exactly what that has gone into that data. We're making it really as wide as possible. Um, we really want as many people in an organization coming to that data and helping them make better decisions for their part of their job as possible. And so that's kind of the, the data visualization side of the business.
2: So Nathan, hitting on some of this and, and the changes that we're seeing going forward, which may be known, but probably filled with a lot of unknown, how are our businesses using this data to help forecast and anticipate future results?
3: That's a really good question because on the higher levels of maturity, you start getting into some really exciting things that are happening with data science, machine learning and AI. And um, it goes right into forecasting for a business. All of the tools that that we kind of embrace at i Bailey come with data science pieces. Now it's just data science. It kind of snuck up on us, right? It's in our applications. Uh, it, it's not something outside. There's There's, something in Salesforce and NetSuite that they have all these data science pieces. Well, it's the same way with the data visualization tools. So if I'm forecasting revenues, there's some drivers in my head, right? So I know that if I get this many users, this many new customers next year, I'm going to get this result as a business, but there's also some awesome regression analysis. There's also some um, algorithms that I can apply to the data to really get smart about where we're, we're, we're projecting for forecasting. And so, um, there is, and this is probably its own podcast, but there is some very advanced analytics things that are happening that are meaningful. I think 10 years ago, all of these things would have been completely out of reach for a middle, small, mid-sized small business. And today, they're extremely accessible and, and valuable to helping fast-growing, medium-sized businesses um, be more successful.
1: You know, Nathan, you mentioned that in the future, every company will likely be a data company. What have you seen in terms of adoption rates? How, how are people embracing this technology? I mean, what's, what's been your track sort of since you started in, in data analytics
3: till now? How has it grown? Yeah, it's, uh, it's tremendous. Um, there's not a single industry that I'd barely uh, helps that is not using data more than it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. It, from healthcare to government, to retail, to, um, you know, dentists. It does, it, it truly, it's amazing. It doesn't matter. Um, construction is, is another one. It doesn't really matter what industry it is. The embracing of how are we going to use our data um, to make smarter, better decisions so that we can really be more valuable to our customers. And, you know, in, in the end, it's all about, in business, it's all about creating this sustainable competitive advantage. And today organizations that are using data better um are creating that sustainable competitive advantage they're building walls around what they know and what they do and um it's awesome it's such a it's such a cool time to be a part of it there's just you know the the wind is definitely blowing in this in this direction and uh um yeah i've just uh it's been a whole lot of fun to see this transformation
2: Nathan, I got to think. One of the struggles for small, mid-sized businesses is just getting started. You know what are what are their first steps, or what are the things that they focus on first in order to start this digital journey that towards data analytics?
3: Think top down, not bottom up. What I mean by that? So uh, instead of instead of going, "Hey, we're going to do this analytics thing. Let's find out where. Uh, let's go talk about all our systems, which is a very kind of IT way to do things. So what's all the systems that we have? Gather your leadership team together, identify what that North Star metric is for your organization, what those leading indicators are that you want, and then deliver it to a team and say, what would it take? Which of these is the easiest? What would it take to go get the data in a centralized location? And I would very much focus on those three levels. So the data lake, data warehouse, um, data visualization, start with the data visualization, even though that's the last step. Start with the data visualization because we've got to get data into the hands of the users so that they can start seeing, understanding, and questioning is this data right? Is this da- why why can't I get this data faster? I actually need this other metric to go with this metric to make sense of this. You need the business to start engaging, and that all happens in the data visualization layer. And so start there. Uh, the caution is it creates a little bit of anarchy. All of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, everybody's got their own report and their own number. And, and if you hit that point, it's actually a really exciting point because you're saying, isn't this wonderful? We've got so many people trying to be smarter at their individual jobs. Now we've got to start paying more attention to those back end things. And, and that's where um, things do get more technical. But keep keep that value ahead of cost as you try to organize your data into one single source of truth. And, you know, think of it as a maturity model. How do we get better? How do we get better? How do we get better? Instead of trying to boil the whole ocean at once.
2: I think this is our second straight podcast with that phrase, don't try to boil the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's just the right. key takeaway for <laughs> might, the, the podcast.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boiling the ocean. There you go. That's uh, That's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: wow, Nathan, that was really illuminating. I think I have a better grasp of data analytics—definitely better than I did when I signed on to this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so thank you very much for being here. Uh, it's been a really great conversation.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't be very good at my job if I couldn't uh, talk about analytics uh, for a very long time. So, uh, there, there's obviously a lot that that could be said. I think you know, it just is kind of winding up. If there's anything I would say, it's really think top down with your metrics think of how you can be more nimble um, with better data at your organization and really see yourself and, and your leadership team as the champions of your data strategy. i think i think those are kind of the key points that i would just tell everybody listening to uh, take away
0: thank you for listening to today's episode of the ebb and flow podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode at Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting, advisory, and technology services with your business in mind. Visit our website to access tools and resources tailored for you. slash ebflow. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Ide Bailey LLP is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. For audience questions and topic ideas, visit iBailey.com slash That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash E-B-F-L-O-W. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in next time.